friends, and welcome to the Paranatural Podcast. My name is Ben. And I'm Clint Eastwood. <laughs> He's Jake. He is not anything close to the outlaw Josie Wales. And we are so glad to have you with us tonight for part three of our three-part series on the Black Monk of Pontefract. How you doing tonight, Jacob? Shitty. Shitty? <laughs> <laughs> well, given your circumstances, I, I'm, you know, kind of with it. <laughs> I'm with it. Yeah, but other than that, I'm great. Thanks for asking. Other, other than your shitty bum leg? Yeah, and shitty bum people. Shitty bum people. Stupid doctors. Yeah. But yeah, other than all that, I am fantastic. Well, that's good. How are you? I'm doing very well tonight. Good. Doing very well tonight. Good. I've uh, I've started a new hobby. That Uh-oh. I'm just telling you about now. I saved it for Uh-oh. the show. So I am making it my mission in life to tell people about the benefits of eating dried grapes. I am all about raising awareness. Uh, <laughs> uh, Sorry, I had ben. to. <laughs> Benjamin. I thought we wanted listeners. They're going to hear that. And get off of this. <laughs> well, I don't have anything to really for, you know, show business. So I decided to fill in with a really shitty joke. <laughs> Well, you succeeded there. But if you do enjoy our show, then, you know, please raise awareness, raise an awareness. <laughs> <laughs> Just, you know, uh, five star rating if you can, a review if you can, a nice review uh, and uh, tell a friend, share it with tell a friend, your grandparents, tell your grandparents, make your dog listen to it. Yep. Everybody. And uh, Everyone. That, that really helps us grow. It has been helping us grow lately, and we really do appreciate that been blown up like no other lately been doing all right we've been doing all right and yeah. it's it's all thanks to you guys listening and sharing the show and we really really do appreciate it so uh, thank, thank you, you. To the people yep thanks you guys a lot love you so much now are we ready to give the people what they came for oh i thought the grape thing was oh <laughs> our stupid jokes is probably what they come for <laughs> <laughs> i hope not i me too <laughs> i mean i tell a gold joke and you say it's stupid you tell me that joke <laughs> it's hilarious uh. <laughs> <laughs> i like just hurt jake's brain <laughs> They couldn't have heard a kindergartner's brain. <laughs> All right. Anyway, <laughs> let's let's get over the bad joke. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So you should yeah, have listened. Sure. You should have listened to parts one and two by now. I did. Okay. Not you. I did. The listeners. You oh. actually listen to this shit? <laughs> I'm sitting here when you do it. <laughs> I only listen because I have to edit it. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we're losing listeners again, aren't we? <laughs> anyway, so if you haven't listened to parts one and two, you should go listen to them now. But 
And if you have, it's it's been a week, I know. So remember that we focused on the Pritchard family and their experiences at 30 East Drive. Yes. You you do have something else to tell. Oh, what's that? You know, your new uh, OnlyFans idea. Oh, <laughs> okay. So I think it would be hilarious. Jacob agrees with me. But <laughs> I want to know what you guys think. Okay, my girlfriend does not think this would be funny. I want to start an Instagram account called Fans Only. And I'm just going to run around and take pictures of every fan I see and just put it up on <laughs> Instagram. So... And also, I'm just going to add this because Leilani hit a spot with me. Um, <laughs> everyone, I am asking with my whole heart, what is better, the top of the muffin or the bottom? Message your answer to Facebook. Yep. To- get in the Facebook group. Look us up on Facebook and get in the group. Now, it, it, we try to make it fun in there. There's We don't have a ton of people yet, but we're trying. And if everybody joins, we'll have even more fun in there. But, yes, get in the Facebook group. Tell us if you think fans only would be a hilarious idea. And whether the top part of the muffin that is not wrapped or the bottom part that is wrapped is better. We want your opinion on this. Yes. So. And it's hurting me not to share my opinion, but. I don't want biased listeners. That's a fair way to be, Jacob. It <laughs> Tops hurts. are better. <laughs> <laughs> Fight me. Tops are better. Anyway. <laughs> now. And more than just muffins. <laughs> Continue, Ben. Okay. So the Pritchard family, we heard all about their experiences at 30 East Drive, right? Okay, good. Tonight, we're going to bid a fond farewell to those friends and focus more on modern occurrences at that selfsame location. Now, my sources for this episode are the book Black Monk of Pontefract, The World's Most Violent and Relentless Poltergeist by Richard Estep and Bill Bungay, as well as the website 30eastdrive.com. In fact, I'll suffice it to say that 30eastdrive.com has the more fun parts of this episode, but <laughs> we'll get there. <laughs> yeah, there's a website. Yeah, you should you should like post that stuff on on uh the Facebook page because yeah. I've I've been kinda looking forward to reading the book that you read for this because this is a cool story. Well, the uh so Colin Wilson's book is not available anywhere except if you can find a used copy, which I was lucky enough to find on thriftbooks.com. This book, however, which also covers that story and actually adds a few details to it, is available on Kindle. So you can you can find it on Kindle. If you have Kindle Unlimited, it's actually a free-to-borrow book. So there's that information for all of you. Some of the information that the book has from the previous story that is left out of Colin Wilson's part is actually a little fascinating. So the Pritchards, I didn't even put this in my notes, but we're here. So let's talk about it. The Pritchards, when they moved into 30 East Drive, that was originally they had a different council house. The people that lived there hated 30 East Drive so much, like they just had a bad feeling in there. They Their baby would cry anytime you left it like alone that they actually did a straight-up swap 
with the Pritchards for a worse, like smaller house with a smaller yard. I'm just saying babies do that anyways. But I guess this was, it was something unusual with like you just sit it in the middle of the living room floor. And it would just start wailing its fucking head off. I guarantee you, you saying that a baby somewhere is doing that right now. Well, because I'm you sure. said that, but it's different <laughs> at this place. Okay. <laughs> the baby was apparently fine everywhere else. All right. <laughs> so anyway, that was just something that, that that is mentioned in the book that I read for this episode. Traumatic baby. <laughs> there was a little bit more information. I don't really remember what it was. Bad boy. There's a, there is a shit ton of information in that book that I I could do like five more episodes out of that book. And I don't want to live in the Black Monk zone for that fucking long. So <laughs> I'm giving you some of the highlights and the origin story of the more modern era of 30 East Drive. And then we're going to move on. So anyway, those are my sources for the book. And it starts out in 2012 director pat holden released a movie about the pritchard family's experiences with the black monk of pontefract the movie is called when the lights went out which is fitting given the story that we've heard from the pritchards and fred always shutting off the fucking lights (laughs) now it wasn't just because of the fact that it was a cool scary story that pat holden decided to make a film based on those events In fact, Pat had a bit of a personal stake in telling the story. Pat's mother, Irene Holden, was actually a good friend of Gene Pritchard's. As a matter of course, she is mentioned in part two of our series, though because Colin Wilson called her Reen in his book spelled R-E-N-E, I called her Renee because I thought it was just a weird way to spell fucking Renee. (laughs) So that was my bad. I'm correcting myself now. The woman who was a little bit psychic and suggested that the Pritchards communicate with Fred was named Irene Holden. Now, Pat Holden, her son and the filmmaker, grew up thinking of Gene Pritchard as an auntie. Like, they were that close. They remained close throughout life. Pat didn't get to witness any of Fred's shenanigans during the Pritchard's experiences because he was too young at the time, but he did grow up hearing about it and went on to become a filmmaker and make a movie. And I, that's kind of fascinating to me, just kind of outside of the story itself. The origin story of a creative endeavor that was yeah. like a lifetime in the making. And I really really tried to find this movie. It is only available to stream on Apple TV. Seriously? Which I do not have because I do not own an Apple device. And Apple. <laughs> my only other option was to buy a DVD. And I'm I don't want to collect DVDs anymore. <laughs> so if anybody can might, find it, let me know. You might be able to run it on uh YouTube movies. No, it's, uh, I don't think so. Anyway, so when he made the movie, they actually built sets in a warehouse and used a different council house for exterior shots because they didn't want to interrupt or stress out Jean Pritchard in her advanced age. However, the sets are said to have been spot on recreations of what the house looked like. 
which kind of makes sense because he'd been in the house. He knew what it looked like in there. Anyway, after filming, producer and ad man Bill Bungay was looking for a way to premiere the film, a special way. He wanted to do something different. So he wound up going to Pontefract one day to visit other clients and went, of course, for a visit to 30 East Drive just to see the place that he was making this movie and producing this movie about. Well, he discovered that serendipitously, 30 East Drive was vacant and for sale. Gene Pritchard had actually moved into an old folks' home four years previously, and due to the house's reputation, it had sat empty ever since. And it was cheap, too. Bill kind of kicked himself because they could have made the movie in the actual house, and he was not about to miss another opportunity for doing something with it. So he bought the damn thing. Just outright, like, yep, I'll take it. And he signed over and got the keys and everything else. Now, Bill, for his part, was really quite skeptical of paranormal stuff in general. And figured that if any of the story was true, then the poltergeist would be long gone by now. Because he had heard about, you know, them being around where teenagers are. And there were no teenagers in the house and had not been for a very long time. So he buys the house and he plans to use it for like PR events to push the movie. And then he's just going to sell it when it's done. When the lights came out because of Bill had a very unusual premiere. Instead of premiering in London, the film premiered to two lucky contest winners in the lounge of the very house upon which the film takes place. What'd you find, Jacob? It's on Prime Video. Is it on Prime Video? For yeah. free? Are you sure that's yeah. not a different when the lights went out? When the lights went out, 2012. Nice. I'm going to watch that fucking movie. Me too. Good to know. But when I Googled it, it did not say Prime Video. When I Googled it, nah, shit came out. <laughs> <laughs> I had to go to cinefound.com. Gotcha. Well, I got Prime Video. I might watch that movie tonight after we record this. Me too. So anyway, they, they premiered the film to two lucky contest winners. The contest winners, Paul and Chris, got, like, the whole treatment. They walked up a red carpet that was laid on the footpath up to the side door of number 30. They had their pictures taken. They got, like, interviewed, and they received a gift box. In the box were several crucifixes, just in case one or two wasn't enough, communion wine, a Bible, and a small bottle of holy water along with a clove of garlic. <laughs> Which is kind of funny because, so in the book, when they talk about the, the box and the clove of garlic, they're like, in case of vampires, I'm like, you guys didn't do your research. <laughs> anyway. By all accounts, the two uh, contestant winners very much enjoyed the film, but nothing paranormal occurred while they were there. Which Bill took his confirmation that there was nothing there to worry about. So Bill just held other PR events at the house. And during the first of these, he met a woman named Carol Fieldhouse. Carol is the neighbor who lives in May Mountain's old house. She is also a psychic medium. And 
eventually like her and her partner Darren would become like caretakers and key holders for the place. They also run a paranormal crew that kind of has run of the place, which is really fitting if you're going to live in a haunted fucking house. You look skeptical, my friend. So on the Patreon last week, I did the uh, the McBarge. Yes. They have their own paranormal crew, too. Mm-hmm. So many of the things that I have researched has their own paranormal crew that had that was like it starts off with a medium or a psychic or someone saying oh something happened here or drop down the line like someone said hey uh this weird thing happened to me and they're like i sense it oh my goodness i mean you do have a point and it is a little shady Yes. All that I'll say to that is that Darren, Carol's partner, mm-hmm. they're not married, but you know, they're together. Say partner. They uh Darren apparently grew up in the house next door. He's like lived there his whole fucking life or something. And what house? The May Mountains house, the one that's the other side of the duplex. He grew up in that? Yep. Lived there his whole life. Before and then, May Mountain? No. I'm thinking he they're he, they're younger, so what I'm thinking is May Mountain probably moved out or passed away or what have you, and then I hope not. I love that woman. The next people took well, she's probably dead by now, bud. I was gonna propose, <laughs> but anyway, Carol was a medium before she met Darren and moved in there and whatever. Now I'm not like saying that there is not some like, you know, you got to be a little skeptical of that setup, but. You know, it's the way it is. Right. But anyway, Bill met Carol the first night of the PR event. She came over to, you know, say hi and what have you. And Carol told Bill that Fred was present during this event. But not to worry because Fred was giving Bill one year. (laughs) Bill questioned what that meant, of course. But, you know, no real answer. Because Bill was not planning to live there, obviously. She also explained that the resident spook was still active in the Pritchard's old house as well as in her own, and in fact had become more active since Jean left. It was so much that, like, right after Jean moved out, she started hearing shit going on. She thought somebody was breaking in and went around to look and did that, like, multiple times before, like, putting the dots together and realizing that, oh, shit, the poltergeist is back, you know? Which makes her kind of a shitty medium, now that I think about it. <laughs> but anyway, I, I don't want to disparage Carol at all. It's just, I was joking. Carol is still alive. She still lives next door. I'm not proposing to her. And she still, like, runs 30 East Drive and all that stuff. And mm-hmm. I've actually heard an interview with her. She sounds like a nice person, but her accent is so goddamn thick that I could not understand three corners of what she was saying. So... No offense to anybody from that part of the world, but holy shit, tone it down. (laughs) So anyway, he meets Carol and she tells him a bunch of stuff. Later on that evening, Bill wanted to get a picture of himself with two of the stars of the movie, as a producer does. So he handed off his phone to a woman named Lisa Manning and they got in position and posed. And just as Lisa was about to snap the picture, Bill's phone died. Fucking died. 
went from 75% battery to not shit. Now, it was an iPhone. <laughs> okay, there we go. <laughs> but it, it had never done such a thing before. Uh, it's, it's and Bill hot. said it never did after. And being a staunch, staunch skeptic, Bill blamed Steve Jobs as opposed to an entity named Fred. So he just thought his phone fucking died. So he plugged it in, he charged it, and once it was charged, he looked, hoping that the picture had been taken, like just before the phone died. But it wasn't. He couldn't find the picture. Until two weeks later, when a blurred image of Bill and the two actresses appeared on the home screen of Bill's phone. So just out of nowhere, the picture that did not get taken, that he looked for, was his home screen. Bill was still not convinced. He just assumed this was some kind of technical error, right? Which I kind of get. I kind of get it, you know. Over the next few months, Bill would stop by occasionally to check on the house. And when he did, he would hear from Carol that things were escalating and Fred was becoming more and more of a nuisance. Just making noises all the time and thumping and bumping around and whatever. But still, Bill didn't really believe it. Because Phantom Photo notwithstanding, Bill had yet to experience or hear of anything he couldn't explain. That is until a film crew came to the house to shoot a documentary. Nothing was caught on film, of course. But they did report some strange things that happened off camera. Things like the electric kettle switching itself on repeatedly, and one of the crew waking up in terror because of a feeling of being pinned down. Oh, that sounds familiar. It was in Diane's old bedroom. That's where this person (laughs) was sleeping, was in Diane's old bedroom. Was it a female? I don't know. But I would assume so. You got a 50-50 shot here, and I'm going to say yes. Yeah, let's just flip a coin on it. Now, the film crew tried to dismiss all of this as, like, electrical issues and night terrors and shit. But one thing happened that they couldn't just brush off. So one of the producers lost his keys. A whole damn bundle of them. Now that's some scary shit. Which stranded the film crew and left them unable to return to London. Now, lost keys are not that big of a deal. Are you kidding me? They searched the house (laughs) high and low and eventually found the keys. Inside the vacuum cleaner. Which is weird enough on its own. Like, number one, vacuum cleaners can't usually suck up keys. Right. Not a whole fucking bunch of them. Right. And had the vacuum cleaner ran, they probably would have heard it. It's one of those egg dilemmas. But this vacuum cleaner was a vintage model that Bill had bought at a thrift store for stage dressing in the house, which he did with, like, all the furniture he bought from thrift stores and shit. So it was vintage 1960s, 1970s shit. And the vacuum didn't even fucking work. It was broken. <laughs> so there's Damn no way. Thrift stores. No fucking way that it sucked up any keys. But yeah, remember. So like the eggs. Uh-huh. But remember, Fred has a history of yoinking keys. Remember, yeah. Remember the chimney incident when it rained 19 fucking keys on Gene Pritchard's head? The one she still has. Then the one she still has. Had. Had. Pretty sure she's dead now, but. Goodness. Why is everyone dying in this story? Because it took place in 1966, and these were like old people then. Healthcare's come a long way. Well, yeah. I mean, I guess <laughs> technically she might still be alive. I don't it hasn't know. come a long way. <laughs> I don't know. 
suck nowadays. <laughs> Just because you've had some bad experiences. I am harboring a lot of hatred towards them. I know. Anyway, having recovered their keys, the film crew left a little before 2 a.m. and Bill, along with two helpers, began tidying the place up. They were just about finished, and Bill went outside to pick up any litter left behind by the film crew. He finished the task and went over to close and lock the wrought iron gate in front of the driveway. He even went so far as to put a cinder block against the gate that was there to help keep it closed nice and tight. His helpers came out of the house, and they were just about to leave when Bill noticed that the gate, which he had just secured, was open. Without a sound... Without an eye-catching movement, half of the gate had swung completely open. The brick was moved, the gate was unlocked, and open. Wind. That's totally wind. It wasn't windy that night. <laughs> there was no, and nobody was around. Like, he could see up and down the street. Nobody was around. There was no wind that night. And this was something that, like, Bill just could not explain away. Gale Forced Hobo. <laughs> Gale Forced Hobo. <laughs> I like it. That's a good band name. Put it on the list. <laughs> now, for a minute, like, he went through all of this. He's like, was it the wind? Fuck, there is no wind. Was it somebody trying to fuck with him? There's nobody around. You know, it's like four o'clock in the morning and nobody's around. So he even considered for a minute that it was his helpers that played a prank on him, but he fucking watched him walk out of the house and they didn't go near the gate. So this kind of made Bill start to be a little bit of a believer. Nah. Yeah, just a little bit. Did he know about the keys? Yeah, he did know about the keys. But that he could, he, he explained away. So I mean, he didn't explain it away so much as just be like, well, that's weird. And then the gate thing happened. So like... It's a bunch of weird stuff put together that kind of made him a believer. All right, here's a question. You said it was one of the film crews who got, like, pinned down? Yes. Did they know the story, like, to the extent that at least we know it? I don't know. I would assume probably. Which okay. is why Bill would dismiss such a story as that. Right. To being either like they did Night Terrors. Or just... Or just, you know, they're poxy. making shit up or whatever. Right. He didn't really know these people. He just agreed to let them use the house to film a documentary. Mostly figuring that it would promote the movie better. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then the next day, Bill reluctantly had to call a locksmith to change the locks on number 30 because his keys had gone missing. <laughs> and as far as I know, he never found them. <laughs> So, if we ever get to visit 30 East Drive, Pontefract, Yorkshire, England, we leave our keys in the car. <laughs> yeah, okay, just saying. If we don't, Fred's gonna snatch them. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna take some dummy keys and just keep them in my hand. See what happens. Right, that might be a good idea. Get some of them Fisher Price keys. Fred apparently <laughs> like he likes to play with kid toys. So we'll get some of those and see if he snatches them. Okay. Now, with his now kind of becoming a believer, Bill was worried that he might be losing his shit. Like, going cuckoo. Trying to believe in all this. Okay. And what he wanted was proof or validation or something of that nature in order to ease his mind. 
So what he did was he got on the phone with a friend of his, a man named Gordon Mack, who is also an extraordinarily skeptical person and apparently is famous for founding KISS FM. I have no idea what KISS FM is, but I really hope it's not like an all KISS all the time radio station because that that (laughs) would be fucking hell. (laughs) No, I think I've heard of it. KISS FM. Why are you listening to UK radio, bud? <laughs> no, no, I think I've heard of it. I think it's something to do with, like, uh, spooky stuff. Okay, we're we're going to have to look that up. I'm pretty sure I've heard of it. Okay, look it up. Remember, it's the UK version. There might be a KISS FM in the States. Right. But anyway, I'll continue while you research. Oh. KISS FM. <laughs> it's probably a rock station. So anyway, Gordon jumped on the chance to run a Halloween promotion on his new radio station, which was not Kiss MM, it was something else. And the prize was for one lucky winner and a guest to spend the night at number 30 with Gordon and his wife, Deborah. (laughs) Not that kind of spending the night, Jacob. Get your mind out of the gutter. <laughs> oh, wait. I was the one that hit the button when I... Anyway, <laughs> they hold the contest drawing, and the original winner decided not to claim their prize. So they had a second drawing and found a more enthusiastic winner, which was a young woman named Delia, and she brought a friend named Lucy along with her. I was wrong. Oh, were you? It was. Um, so, so it says it becomes the UK's first legal radio station specializing in black and dance music. That's not at all what I thought it was going to be. Yeah, me neither. I really was leaning towards like rock and roll station of some sort. Yeah, and this is this is UK. What the fuck year was that brought out? Uh. December 27th, 2012. And it was the first legal one to... What? That's what it says. UK, you guys got to get your shit together. You were way behind on that one. Honestly. Like, I don't know any of these these bands. Well, hit a few for us, bud. Okay. Um, Interplanetary Criminal. Bruce C. LF System. KSI, Burna Boy, Wait, Feral. K- did you say KSI? Yeah. Is that its own? I think I've uh, heard of them. Well, the song's not yet over. I'm pretty um, sure that's one of those bands that does the like machine gun go brr, da, pa, 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 fucking bullshit. I think low, so. Low key 303, PRS, Sof God, Sof. Uh, lewd <laughs> lewd <laughs> l-u-u-d-e I had to make it a little Hans Zimmer <laughs> that sounds like a sex position <laughs> right up there with a dirty Sanchez <laughs> but no I think I've heard of that KSI so now I think I know what kind of music they play and, and it's no wonder I've never heard of Kiss FM <laughs> at that rate but anyway uh, they get their winners, Delia and Lucy, 
and they head up to 30 East Drive, Pontefract. Now, the following, which is quite extensive, is taken from an account written by Deborah Mack detailing their visit to the house. Okay, are you ready? And you can feel free to interrupt whenever you need. So, quote, On arrival, we met the lovely neighbors, Carol and Darren, who did a very good job of near enough freaking us out. Darren, who has lived next door all his life, and his partner Carol, a spiritualist medium, live on a daily basis with what we had come to experience. They gave us a guided tour of 30 East Drive and told us some of the history of the Black Monk of Pontefract, including some of the things that they had both personally witnessed. We started the tour in the living room. The furniture and carpets were a, mo were a moment frozen in time, adding to the authenticity of the whole experience. Carol led us to the hall by torchlight, only to drop the bombshell that, quote, the monk was standing on the stairs, but it's okay, end quote. I quickly asked if we could wait until he moved, but we didn't have a choice in the matter. Up the stairs we marched straight to the bedroom of the young girl who was tormented by the spirit. We huddled embarrassingly, like sheep, in one corner of Diane Pritchard's old bedroom, and as if that wasn't bad enough, Carol showed us the dents in the ceiling where the bed had been flipped up vertically, throwing Diane off of it. Remember, that's part of our part two story. I remember. We speedily moved on to the to Joe and Jean's old bedroom, where we were introduced to a long light cord that allegedly strangles people. Not to mention the wardrobe that has drawers that open and close of their own accord. So apparently a lot more stuff than we knew about was happening in this house. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I was trying to think back to the cord that strangles people. But there was like, so I'm, you know, I'm, obviously I'm pausing my reading here. There was oh. a lot of years between 1968, where Colin Wilson's account ends, and 2012. And 2012. So, yeah. And I couldn't find anything like put together about what happened in the interim. Mm -hmm. I looked, but I couldn't find. Mm -hmm. So who knows? Anyway. I bet, yeah, I know who knows. Gene Pritchard. No. Fred. Yes. <laughs> I would ask him, but I don't want to get shit yucked at me over the stairs. Oh, I'll ask him. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> anyway, back to Deborah's thing here. Quote, we move swiftly on. The third bedroom, Philip's old bedroom, was thankfully not as disturbing as the first two. But then we were led to the bathroom. Carol who allegedly feels quite at ease with ghosts, wouldn't enter for all the money in the world. If anyone didn't feel uneasy before this, then they did now. It was explained to us that it's the most active room in the house, as it's a portal to the spirit world. Okay, so I gotta say something. <laughs> Perfect. Um, okay, so... So it turns out... Uh, I can't remember her name, Aunt whatever... Your favorite part of the story. Aunt Maud. Aunt Maud. Apparently she is braver than a freaking spiritual medium because she wouldn't go in the house for 20,000 pounds. 20, pounds. And she won't go in the bathroom for all the money in the world. I guess. Get Aunt Maud to do it. Of course. Get that 20,000 pounds. <laughs> 
You know Aunt Maude had to pee at some point when she was there. She went in that yeah. bathroom. Yeah. Like, what is it? Is it the closet in Poltergeist? It might be. <laughs> <laughs> what self-respecting ghost sets up a portal in the bathroom? I mean, maybe they like their privacy. I, I... <laughs> maybe I they like claim a bathroom on my own, I would. Maybe they like popping through while people are pooping. Or people are popping in when it's pooping. <laughs> Son of a bitch. That's why he's mad. He can't, yeah. he can't piss in peace. He's, he, he's perturbed by it. Yeah. He's spewing out all that ectoplasm and and people just bound right in. <laughs> Poor guy's got a shy pooper. <laughs> you dick! <laughs> He's got he's got a very shy bladder. He can't do his business with you popping in here all the goddamn time. I feel you, Fred. <laughs> okay, anyway. <laughs> I had hoped you would raise some objection to that part because I really wanted to. <laughs> all right, back to our thing here. After a blessing, only Gordon and I ventured in to have a look at, at the bathroom. We returned to the living room, and while they were settling us in, an un- an inexplicable thing happened. A penny miraculously dropped from what seemed to be the window ledge, bounced off the radiator, and rolled under a table. We all heard it, and out of the corner of our eyes, saw it. Carol and Darren then left us to our own devices and to watch the film when the lights went out. The film is true to actual events that happened in the house in the early 1970s, which was actually the late 60s. But anyway. Are you crazy? I hear you say. And at that point, yes, we thought we were. Even though Gordon and I had already seen the movie, watching it in the house was a terrifying prospect that gave us more chills than we ever thought possible. But it was a once in a lifetime experience that we were determined not to miss. Throughout the film in the night, we heard knocks, creaks, and bangs, all the signs you'd expect from a haunted house. But Gordon always found a way of calming everyone down with rational explanations. As the clock approached 2 a.m., we were all ready to crash, as it had been an exhausting, adrenaline-fueled day. Bill had gone all out to try and make us feel comfortable, putting beds in each of the bedrooms. But we soon realized that no one was prepared to risk going upstairs, let alone sleeping up there. Instead, the winners huddled on the sofa while we slept on the original 1970s carpet. Three layers of clothes, shoes on. No, we weren't scared. (laughs) She's kind of funny. That was the beginning of a very long night. Lucy, who had been fearlessly telling us how she was into the paranormal and not to be scared, ended up keeping poor, frightened, very polite Delia awake all night and was adamant that we had to stay awake too. I woke feeling stiff, but surprisingly fresh considering the circumstances. We broke open the croissants, brewed mugs of tea, and caught up on the events of the night. Delia began by revealing that she had heard numerous knocks and noises coming from a wall separating the kitchen from the living room, but we were the only people in the house. Gordon's theory was that the likely culprit was the central heating system that hadn't been turned on in a while. Then, Lucy nervously revealed that she had seen a dark mist crossing the living room, followed by a six-foot-tall shadow of a man disappearing into the wall. Gordon put this down as 
to self-induced sleep deprivation, although Bill has subsequently confirmed that Carol has witnessed the monk passing back and forth between number 30 and her house next door. I then had the courage to disclose something that had freaked me out. While I was dropping off to sleep, laying on my side, hood up, duvet over my head, and in the fetal position, I felt what I truly believed to be a finger draw a circle in the middle of my back. Yes, I know I sound crazy, but there is no rational explanation for it. I said nothing and tried to sleep as I thought no one would believe me. And besides... I didn't want to cause a stampede to the comfy and safe SUV parked outside. (laughs) (laughs) After sharing everything, including Delia revealing that I had had a kicking, screaming night terror, quote, that was no normal nightmare, end quote, Gordon remarked how our experiences were all witnessed by individuals and not by the group as a whole. Literally, 10 seconds later, the TV turned itself off. Silence. Gordon, Mr. I have a rational explanation for everything, impatiently asked who had the remote, only to discover that it was on the mantelpiece behind him. He tried to turn the TV back on with the remote, only to find that it wasn't on standby or on a timer. It had been turned off at the wall. We decided it was time to leave as we felt we'd overstayed our welcome. The TV switching off? and the penny falling from the window ledge, things that we all experienced together, were enough to prove that there really is either a poltergeist or some inexplicable form of energy in that house to this day. When I say we, the penny dropped for Gordon, too. Signed, Deborah Mack. Yeah. We gotta go there. (laughs) (laughs) We do. It is, uh, so I'm not sure how much a flight to England would be. But to stay there during the weekdays is 300 pounds, I think, is what was on the website. Which translates to real about, money and about 300 bucks. Pounds okay. and dollars are close to each other. So, okay. If you would like us to do adventures like that, then uh, patreon.com slash paranatural podcast. <laughs> yeah, $5 yeah. a month, you get extra content. Uh, I have some stickers I will send you. And yeah, all, you'll get a shout out on the show. So and send us to England. Hit it up and fund our fuckery. We'll do a live feed there. <laughs> Fuck yeah, we will. Yeah. Which, uh, yeah. just while we're at this point right now, we're going to get into visiting 30 East Drive and some of the rules and things that are on there it's fucking golden so we'll get to that but yeah fund our fuckery join the patreon (laughs) okay now i gotta i gotta say something i find change all the time um the other day a fork flew off the counter literally every time we do a podcast my tv turns on and off like constantly and only when we're doing the podcast yeah off i could understand on not so much because the remote is <laughs> on the floor. You got a poultry geist. <laughs> That's the bird as version. As long as it don't flip my bed. Screw <laughs> <laughs> this shit. I'm going to sleep on the couch. <laughs> I'll sleep in my truck. <laughs> Cause a stampede to the nearest comfy truck. Yeah, I've already done that. (laughs) (laughs) Me and the dog slept in the truck. (laughs) Anyway, 
So Gordon called Bill and they spent over an hour talking about what happened. And Bill decided that if Gordon could come out something of a believer, then he himself was not going crazy. So Bill switched over to full believer at that point. Now, because of the of that and a renewed interest in the happenings at 30 East Drive, Bill began opening the house up for visits. And a lot of the visitors were locals who just wanted to kind of pop in and bring their kids and see the place, kind of brag about visiting the haunted house around the corner. Uh, <laughs> these people apparently often left with a marble that Fred would throw at them. <laughs> so you know no idea where the marbles came from but he's fred so you know whatever we're bringing a sack of marbles and just hucking it at nothing <laughs> just throw oh that might be dang you'll see that or might be into dangerous. the bathroom oh yeah yeah just I'm start hucking marbles into the bathroom yucking fucking marbles in there peg him dropping his ectoplasm <laughs> mm-hmm. that'd be a real good way to piss somebody off throwing marbles at them while they're dropping a deuce now other people would also ask to use the house in order to host like charity events and stuff which is something that bill kind of like he he thinks it's kind of cool you know because such a dark entity is actually doing good for the community (laughs) so which is it is kind of cool like you take a haunted house and you're like hey we're gonna raise money for charity in here um charity the stripper anyway had mm. <laughs> to raise money for charity <laughs> but for the most part the neighborhood was like really friendly and cool about everything not all of them believed it like opinions went from it's completely fake to that house is fucking evil burn it to the ground but everybody's kind of cool with the activity and people being around and checking the place out whatever but one person did lodge a complaint And the complaint was that Fred would run along the backyards of East Drive and Checkerfield Road. And this person asked Bill if he could keep a tighter rein on the ghost. Oh, you want want me me to say motherfucker to you? (laughs) Because that's something Bill can fucking do, right? Yeah, just, just plant garlic around the whole property line. Well, what's interesting is... So the path that Fred runs, it's like well known that there used to be a stream there that has now been buried under the ground. Oh. So it's like directly where that stream runs. It's still there. It's just underground now. So that's there's a, an association with hauntings and water that's kind of fascinating and that just kind of puts the two mm-hmm. together in this story. And they wonder if that's not the same stream that used to fill the well where allegedly the black monk's carcass got tossed. Allegedly. The well. Well, that part's alleged. The well does exist. There is a well under 30 East Drive. They found it during construction. Bet the water tastes kind of funny for a while. (laughs) I bet it sure as shit did. (laughs) Now, for the most part, Bill does not have a lot to do with the house. Right. Carol and Darren, they were made key holders of the property and their paranormal group runs the thing, you know, for him and whatever. And he only stops by now and then to check out what's going on. And he him and Fred have a like a you don't mess with me and I won't mess with you type of relationship. Or at least that's what he tries to maintain when he goes to the house. He actually goes in and says something like, 
Hi, Fred. Don't worry. It's just me. Don't spook me today. <laughs> I'm just, I can't take it. You know, like it, it's, it's, he does this like every time he goes there. And on one of the occasions when he just kind of popped by, he went into the house and found Darren from next door, knelt down on the floor, grumbling and cussing and surrounded by jigsaw puzzle pieces. The pieces were from a puzzle that, just like the vacuum cleaner, Bill had bought from a secondhand store for stage dressing. The kicker is that the box had been completely taped shut when Bill bought it, completely taped shut when Bill put it on the shelf, and was completely taped shut when its contents were scattered all over the fucking floor. <laughs> okay. Darren, in fact, had to rip the tape off in order to put them back in the box. <laughs> Now, of course, he did not bother to tape the box back up because what fucking good would it do? <laughs> so apparently Fred can still do the egg trick. Yeah. When he wants to. Well, that's what I was thinking with the keys. It was an inverse egg trick. He put them in the... Sort know. of. I mean, sort of, yeah. Now, Bill would bear witness to other things, including one Valentine's Day, he was doing some dishes at the house when he heard something upstairs thumping around and then had the feeling that someone was behind him. He turned around expecting to see Fred, but instead he saw something appear out of thin air and come flying at his face. <laughs> Bill was sure that whatever it was was going to hit him between the eyes, but at the very last second, the object shifted course and flew past his head. After it careened off the kitchen window and clattered to the floor, he said a few choice words and picked it up. <laughs> he discovered it was a wooden domino. Bill held the domino and exclaimed openly, quote, Thanks, Fred. I've always wanted to see that. Now, how did you do that? End quote. In his own way, Fred tried to answer. For the next two hours, Bill was greeted by more projectiles. <laughs> first it was a marble that appeared to fall through the ceiling without leaving any trace of how it did so it hit the piano fallboard hard enough to chip the varnish bill cared a little less about the chip varnish than he did the fact that the marble only missed his ear by a whiskers breadth <laughs> he said he felt it go by his ear <laughs> when it hit like he felt it go by did you say a whiskers breath breadth okay yeah okay i was gonna say that was, was sorry i used a fancy word <laughs> <laughs> then fred moved on to screws <laughs> bill was in diane's old bedroom when three screws three screws flew past either side of his face barely missing him three three now, if it was nails, then, then we might have a, a different kind of story here. Nope, it was screws. Yeah. I mean, some would still say that it could be a sacrilege, like a offensive. I think Fred just likes yucking shit at people. Yeah. And he just decided that three screws were handy and 
tried to <laughs> dartboard him past old Bill's I, face. I don't know if it matters if they're handy. Like, where's he getting wooden dominoes and marbles? And Well, a lot of that stuff, I think, I don't know about the marbles specifically, but, like, there are, like, Bill bought board games to put in the house for people that stay there and whatever. And other shit that they talk about was in the house. Sounds very accommodating. So I'm assuming the marbles are in the house mm. somewhere. And people are taking them? What assholes? Well, you know, marbles are cheap. I'm just saying. Marble gets yucked at me, I'm yucking it back. <laughs> that might be a bad idea. I don't care. You can't see Fred. Fred can see you. I'll use the force. <laughs> use, <Duh>. the force. <laughs> use the Schwartz. Anyway. So after the screw incident, Bill was down in the kitchen talking to Carol when a little red ball appeared over her shoulder. And again, whipped past his head. <laughs> okay. After all of that, Bill was getting ready to leave and he was in the lounge talking with Carol and the paranormal team. And they were all kind of like laughing and joking about, you know, Bill being the target. And they said, maybe it's love because it's Valentine's Day. And ha 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 ha. <laughs> and all of a sudden they all heard like a small pop. And the sound of something light and plastic hitting the floor like towards the kitchen. So Carol got up to investigate and found that her young granddaughter had wandered in looking for her grandma and the tyke was standing there trying to take a bite out of a fake orange. Carol, of course, said, don't eat that. It's not real and took it away from her and asked her where the hell she got it from. The little girl replied that, quote, the man in black gave it to me, Nana, end quote. Now, I just want to note that Fred is at least well-behaved enough not to be so much as a dick to throw the fake fruit at the child. <laughs> so he's got that going for him, which isn't much, but it's a little bit of something. But the, Dressing up in kids' clothes. But yeah, apparently he just showed himself to the little girl and dropped an orange on the floor for her. Can't even put it in her hand. I what guess. an asshole. Well, you know. Fred doesn't like to be touched. so But he likes to touch people. Well, <laughs> you know, whatever. Now, there are many more such stories that can be told. But, like I said earlier, I don't want to spend my life talking about the Black Monk of Pontefract. <laughs> it's an interesting story, but I'd rather go there than just sit here doing episode after episode about it. Uh, many shorter accounts can be found on the website 30eastdrive.com as well as 288 recent happenings and pictures and all sorts of things, which I'm going to share some of the pictures and stuff in the Facebook group. Bill is very open to that kind of thing, apparently. Like, he's, he's like, if you're not using this for profit, go ahead. Take the pictures, share them around, whatever. Tell people about the place. Now, like I said, you can book a stay at 30 East Drive, but there is a waiver that you have to sign. All people in your party have to sign this waiver, okay? <laughs> Let me read some of this waiver to you. It starts, 30 East Drive Pontefract is not a traditional guest house, hotel, B&B, &B, or party venue, and the owner recommends that you do not visit, especially if you are of a nervous disposition or have a heart condition. The owner himself has never spent the night there and has no intention of doing so anytime soon, having personally witnessed 
it. It is in quotation marks. That's how they refer to Fred or whatever and the whole website. I wonder he's pissed. There are beds, but no bedding, so bring your own. A kettle, but no breakfast. Smells a little damp, not because of any leaks, but mainly because of the old well, down which the body of the executed monk and his victims are said to have been thrown. That sits directly under the house. <laughs> this is occasionally mitigated by the dry heat from the professionally maintained central heating system when it chooses to leave it alone. Fred <laughs> likes to fuck with the heat some. The furniture is 70s authentic. It was bought from charity shops locally as the original furniture was removed by the Pritchard family as represented in the movie when the lights went out before they sold the property. As is the overall experience, the temperamental cooker is original and dishwashers didn't exist in the 70s if you get the drift. <laughs> so they're saying wash your own shit. Oh, and on one fairly recent occasion, the bed in the small room, Diane's, was trashed by the poltergeist Fred during a 3 a.m. loss of temper. So please bear this in mind when deciding to spend the night in this particular room. There are pictures of the bed. It's wrecked. Like the frame looks broken and shit. And apparently oh, Fred good. broke it while he was, uh, you know, throwing a fit. If, however, you get a thrill from the idea of spending time in a 50s build ex-council house in the unpredictable presence of one of the most terrifying poltergeists in history, be our guest. All you need to do is pay something towards the maintenance of the property and respectfully abide by some rules. That's the disclaimer. Now, the rules, <laughs> the rules are so much better. <laughs> so if you ever want to go to, to 30 East Drive, here are the rules. You know, I want to. Every visitor to 30 East Drive must sign a waiver saying, quote, I, the visitor to 30 East Drive, agree to make minimum noise and respectfully interact with 30 East Drive. That's fair. To take no alcohol into the house. Oh, you want oh, you want to you want me say motherfucker to you? <laughs> I should be able to drink there. <laughs> to not use a Ouija board. Let's not exacerbate the situation. That is what the, <laughs> that is what the website says. <laughs> I am reading right now directly from the website. To not perform exorcisms. Despite firm evidence to suggest you can't exercise a poltergeist, even if it were possible, 30 East Drive wouldn't be the same without Fred, would it not? <laughs> <laughs> to not ask for a refund if Fred doesn't make an appearance or no activity is experienced, this isn't Disney World. <laughs> <laughs> to do my research before considering a less than five-star review, some visitors are simply unlucky and get a quiet night. Repeat, this is not Disney World. Nothing <laughs> is staged or faked. And that's fair. That is a fair yeah. rule. Like, don't be a dick about your review if nothing happens, because Fred's not there to entertain you, motherfucker. Next one. To not take souvenirs. Take photos, film yourselves or the entities, don't nick props, door handles, etc. They took ages to find, are worthless, and you run the risk of Fred attaching himself to you slash the object and following you home. Seriously. I wonder if somebody tried to steal a fucking door handle or something, and that's why it's a rule. Yeah, yeah, door handle is a little weird. I mean, they did go to, like, great lengths to find vintage shit to make the house look original. So I can understand why they wouldn't want anybody taking it, but why would you take a fucking door handle? Right. 
I I, I kind of feel like the the Fred thing is a threat. Oh, I, he would not follow you home. No, he he lives there now. Things That's, have been yeah. taken out of that house. The Pritchards took yeah. all their shit when they left. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, been there almost sixty. Well, at least sixty years. Yeah, at this point, yeah, yeah. He's not going anywhere. No. <laughs> Next rule: to leave like a ghostly shadow. This is a quiet neighborhood, and you may be leaving in the middle of the night. Shh. <laughs> <laughs> No flash photography outside. 30 East Drive is the heart of a quiet neighborhood full of decent folk. Your camouflage can interrupt their sleep slash lives. Please be respectful. That's that's a good rule, actually. Like I'm not yeah. that copyright of any images, footage, stories, etc. captured at 30 East Drive rests with the owner of 30 East Drive in the interests of maintaining an accessible archive that everyone is welcome to access. The owner has never stopped anyone from publishing interesting material in an amateur, not-for-profit context. Please share captures with the owner. So they just want to see what you got. Right. One of the places we went on for vacation is exactly like that. Right. Next rule. (laughs) That I am not an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) I love the Brits because they're both like extraordinarily polite and sometimes just straight to the fucking point. Yeah. The owner has opened the house because of the high levels of interest. He doesn't want or need idiots to visit. If you are disrespectful by nature or confrontational in any way, do not visit. Life is too short. And besides, the owner advises you not to visit. He himself refuses to spend the night there. (laughs) The next one is take responsibility of your kids. Uh, don't park outside because it's a bus route. Uh, leave the house as you found it. Uh, and the owner is not responsible for anything that does or does not happen. So those are the rules for a 30 East Drive if you intend to visit. Now, like I said, there is a lot of cool shit on the website. Pictures and photos of old newspapers and shit like that. So if this story interests you at all, Go to 30eastdrive.com and just click around their website for a little while. You'll see some kind of cool shit. But first go to Patreon and send our asses there. Right, correct. <laughs> and then we will <laughs> we will have real cool shit for you. Because we'll stay as many days as you let us afford. That's right. And as work lets us afford. Right. Now, <laughs> there is one final thing that's on the website that I want to touch on before we close the book on the Black Monk of Pontefract. On the website, it says at the bottom of one of the pages in big, big capital letters, protection spells available. If you are concerned about your visit, you can have a protection spell performed for you by a local medium. The cost is $10 per person and is very comforting indeed. (laughs) They've thought of everything, Jacob. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I'll do my own protection spells. Thank you very much. I'll bring a condom. That's enough protection. That's where I'll store the marble. <laughs> so, yep, there you go, folks. There is what is going on in Pontifract in the modern era. Uh, the website has hundreds of people's reviews 
And it's about 50-50, and I kind of respect them. They do leave the ones up that say nothing happened, but, you know, we had a good time. And then the other half are like, holy shit, we got shit thrown at us, or we heard shit, or whatever. And here's here's a, a deal I'm willing to make right now. If we ever change the Patreon to where it's more than, like, $5 a month, or, like, you have different tiers, mm-hmm. highest bidder gets the condom marble <laughs> I'll even send it in the condom there you go send us the fucking Pontifract y'all <laughs> there's a condom marble in it for you alright Jacob what do you think is a black monk bullshit or not I'd love to find out me too I gotta yeah. think some of it's real yeah I mean it's not gonna stick First off, with a freaking with the owner not spending the night there ever. Yeah, I mean, now I'm kind of torn though because on the website it says so many times the owner says don't stay here. Yeah, it's it's publicity. It's is that a marketing ploy? I would oh. like to talk to Bill to find out. He is an ad man. Yeah. He's a marketing guy. Yeah. Now, I kind of believe he's probably never stayed there. I mean, I probably wouldn't want to if I was getting stuff yucked at me all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Dominoes yucked at your fucking head. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, either that or we would just have like a serious like object fight and just hucking stuff at. (laughs) Just back and forth with the black monk. Yeah. Something like appears and flies at me. I'm going to like... I'm going to grab enough things to throw at every direction. <laughs> the six foot black monk poltergeist, he, he should be pretty easy to hit <laughs> if I throw everything at every direction. I'm pretty sure you're the kind of people they don't want in the house. <laughs> Just saying, there's never a rule about... Uh, about throwing shit? Well, that and defending yourself. Well, they did say leave the house as you found it. I'll clean up. I won't break nothing. Fred just better throw small stuff at me. He throws a chair at me. There's going to be a chair-sized hole. <laughs> he flips a bed on me or a mattress on me. I'm I'm grabbing a mattress and I'm gonna I'm gonna carry it around the house until I can actually pin him. <laughs> But yeah, for real, that is something on my bucket list. If I ever make it to England, I I have to go there. Oh, yeah. Like, period. Uh, Benjamin, we got plans. We got to get there. Mm-hmm. First, it'll be the Mothman statue. Next, it'll be Pontefract. <laughs> God damn, there's probably some steps in between, I would think. No way. Waverly. I mean, there's a lot of steps. <laughs> <laughs> England's a long way away. Yeah, just a little hop across the pond. A little hop across the old pond there. All right, buddy boy. With that, I think it's time to say thank you so much for listening. We really do appreciate it. Don't forget to share the show with a friend like you've been doing. That is really helping us grow and reach new listeners, and we appreciate the hell out of that. And with that, I will say good night. Thank you. Um condom marbles. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
Good night. <laughs>